Now, as a pastor, my primary responsibility is to encourage you and equip you to grow in your faith, to grow closer to Jesus Christ. Amen? And I can't do that effectively without teaching about financial stewardship because financial stewardship directly affects your relationship with God. How many of you know that? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4 and 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Now, a steward is one that's been given the responsibility of caring for or managing somebody else's belongings. They don't own it. They just manage it. They just care for it. That's a steward. And an indisputable law of stewardship is this. It's knowing that nothing truly belongs to us. Everything belongs to God. How many of you know that? Have you ever seen a U-Haul a, a, a U-Haul tied to a hearse? No. Have you ever noticed that they don't put everybody, all our belongings in our casket? You're going to have to leave it all here. Amen? We can't take nothing with us. But it all belongs to the Lord. Isn't that right? King David understood the difference between stewardship and ownership. And he said this in First Chronicles 29. Everything in the heavens and the earth is yours, O Lord. And this is your kingdom. We adore you as being in control of everything. Riches and honor come from you alone. And you are the ruler of all mankind. Your hand controls power and might. And it is at your discretion that men are made great and given strength. God owns everything. It's all His. Everything in heaven and earth belongs to Him. So in reality, the essence of the Christian life is not ownership, but it's stewardship. We think we own everything, but when we die, we got to leave it behind. And God gets it. So we really don't own it. We are a steward of it. And as believers, we're called to be faithful stewards or managers of what God has given us. We have to be a steward of our life. The good news is that God has given us eternal life and has given us a new lease on life and has given us a, a, a fresh start on life. But you know what? We have to be a steward with what God has given us. How are you spending your life? We should be spending our life being responsible with what God gave us. We got to be responsible with our time. We got to be steward of our time, our, our gifts and our talents. God gave us gifts. God gave us talents. And we like to take credit for it. I'm good at. No, God gave you the ability to do. Right? You're not good at nothing. And neither is my English. <laughs> Amen? But we need to be stewards of our finances, right? And so two weeks ago, we began this series talking about the spiritual connection between financial management and an open heaven. And the Bible says, according to Scripture, when we manage our money properly, it opens the heavens for us. Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that they may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. 
Now, Malachi says faithful financial management opens the heavens. Now, we talked about this two weeks ago, but we talked about what does open heavens mean? Well, as I looked at this different scriptures, it, you know, riches are in heaven and, and dew comes from heaven and, and angels come from heaven. The spirit comes from heaven. The voice of affirmation comes from heaven. John said everything that we get comes from heaven. And Malachi says when you choose to bring the tithe, the tenth of your increase into the local star storehouse, it opens the windows of heaven and a blessing is poured out over your life. Do y'all believe that or not? Well, let me ask you two questions. Number one, if I begin tithing, does that mean that God will begin to financially prosper me? Well, it could mean that. Because he does say, I will pour out a blessing for you that you won't have room to contain. But it doesn't necessarily mean that. Remember me telling you the story about going to Mexico and going into that church building? Brother Larry brought us in there and there was an ear of corn and some vegetables on the altar. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, what is this? And, and the pa- Pastor Larry said, it's their tithe. And then I'll follow them back to their house and they live in a primitive house with a, you know, a, 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 a grass hut and they cook on an outdoor stove. They, they don't have a bed, they sleep on boards. But wait a minute, they're tithing. So is God not holding true to His Word? Is He not blessing them? They're living a primitive life and they're tithing. Let me ask another question. And the question is this. So let me ask you, does living a primitive life means you're not getting blessed of God? You see, it contradicts the Western mentality. But you see, whenever you... Whenever you look at these people, they don't have the, the flat screen TVs and the, 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 the Super 6S iPhone and, and, you know, all this stuff. But then whenever you watch them and you see them, they have something that many Americans don't have. They have the peace of God in their hearts. They're happy about life. Amen. And so you can't measure God's prosperity on how much you have in your checking account. Amen. And so my point is this, God's promising to open the windows of heaven when we tithe does not necessarily mean we're going to get super financially blessed. It could be though. But it might mean answered prayer, healing, deliverance. It might mean peace. Amen? It might mean God's hand. In fact, according to the scriptures, managing our money properly releases supernatural protection over our life. The Bible says in Malachi 3.11, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. Now, God's blessing upon my life when I tithe might mean receiving supernatural protection from God. How about that? That would be all right right there, huh? Come on, if he keeps the canker worm from eating all the fields, that would be okay with you, wouldn't it? You know, so listen, it might mean receiving God's supernatural grace over our life. So, you know, we can't measure God's open heaven just in dollars and cents. It could mean God's hand of grace is over your life. You know, remember Pastor Lee Lamery. He, ta- he taught here, He's, he went to be home with the Lord, but he taught one year here in the pulpit, right after a hurricane came through this area. 
And it came through, I forgot which one, maybe Lily or something like that. It's like it came down Highway 90, came through the Morgan City area, down New Iberia, Generate, all this area. And, and a lot of people in this church got devastated by the hurricane. And he told this story about two of his parishioners that were in this trailer park. And every trailer in the park got demolished, but two. And the two trailers that didn't get demolished were two of his parishioners. Now, I don't know if you believe God will do something like that or not. But I believe Psalm 91 says God will put his, his hand over you. Amen. Come on, y'all believe that? Now, does that mean it doesn't rain? Does that mean you don't go through problems? No, but I believe you are better off in life when heaven is open over your life than if it's closed. Amen? Now, I believe there's a spiritual connection between financial management and an open heaven. But I also believe this. There's a spiritual connection between financial management and spiritual freedom. Now, what kind of price can you put on spiritual freedom? You ever been in prison? You ever been in jail? I tell you, the worst form of imprisonment is spiritual imprisonment. It's the worst form. Listen, the negative influence of money can be the cause of our greatest bondages and our greatest strongholds in our life. Man, I hear stories of people that got a boatload of money and they won't buy their wife medicine and let her die. What is that? That's bondage. Amen? People that have enough money that they, they couldn't spend it all, but yet they live like a pauper because there's something over their life. Listen, Matthew 16, 26 says, What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? In other words, what good it is if you become financially prosperous and then you got a ton of money, but lose your spiritual freedom in the process. It's not worth it. Wouldn't you agree? It's just not worth it. And so how, how does money management help you stay spiritually free? Well, let's talk about it a little bit. I want to give you three ways. Number one, money management. Managing your money properly helps keep you from the spirit of greed. There's a spirit called greed. And it controls people. Come on, you know somebody like that? Don't look around right now, but just, just nod your head if you do. Luke 12, 15 says this. This is Jesus. Then he said, beware and guard against every kind of Life is not measured by how much you own. Guard against greed. Jesus cautions us to guard against every kind of greed. Now, this is what greed is. It's the excessive, unrestrained desire of getting stuff, especially a desire for wealth and possessions. And it's the spirit that is never satisfied with what you have, and it keeps you from living a life of contentment. How many of you know contentment is an awesome gift? Man, whenever you content, that's great, right? But you know what? The mantra of the greedy is this. I want more, I want more. And I'm never satisfied. I can't ever get enough. And so the question is, how do you 
How do you keep from getting overcome with a spirit of greed? Because it's, it's a spirit that will creep up on you and it will grab a hold of you and it will hold you like nothing else will. And that's why Jesus said, beware and guard against it. So how do you stay free from it? I believe it's by learning to be generous. How many of you would agree that generosity and greed can't live in the same house? It's either one or the other that's going to be the ruler of that house. You can't be greedy and be generous at the same time. Jesus explains it this way in Luke 12, 13. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Now listen. Life is not measured by how much you own. Now, this was a brother. This was a family fight. And they were fighting over the father's estate. I can't tell you how easy it is for a family to get in a major fight over two cents when it comes to the family estate. Amen. And this is what's going on right here. And Jesus said, hey, guys. You know, y'all want me to answer the question about the estate, and y'all want me to try to... But listen, what you really need to be worried about is greed. And then verse 16, then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all of my crops. How many of you like to try that on for size? Verse 18, then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Now, what was Jesus trying to tell these two brothers here? What was he trying to say? I believe it's this. The spirit of greed can make you very lean spiritually and steal your spiritual freedom. Amen. Listen, I believe the man would have been better off instead of building bigger borns. He'd have been better off just keeping those bones, let them stay full, and the excess, give that stuff away and help somebody. Amen? I believe he'd have been better off instead of building more barns and hoarding it, trying to build the kingdom of God. Wouldn't you agree? What you doing with what's in your barns? Oh, now you're meddling. <laughs> Giving keeps you from getting bound by the spirit of greed. And it helps you to build a rich relationship with God. A second connection. Listen, let me just say this. We sometimes think it's the rich that are greedy. You can be living in poverty and be the most greedy person on the globe. And some of the richest people in the world are the most generous people in the world. So again, it's not how much you have. It's whether it has you. Right? And so either we're, we're controlled by greed 
I ain't opening my hand. Who's going to help out right here? Not me. A second, I need to keep going, don't I? A second connection between money management and spiritual freedom is this. Managing your money properly keeps you free from idolatry. If the spirit of greed is not dealt with properly, it ultimately leads to idolatry. Now, I want you to just think of it. In the Old Testament, idolatry was... Instead of serving God, they would build these idols. They would build these, these statues and stuff. And they would put, they would put food at the feet of the idol. And they, they, they would even go to the point of putting their children at the foot of the idol. And they would ask the idol, would you protect me? Would you help me? Would you keep the curse off of me? Would you bless me? And so rather than serving the true and the living God, they were serving idols. And the scripture says, if greed is not properly dealt with, we're going to fall into idolatry, which is basically the same as the people that came and put food at the foot of some pole. Are y'all tracking with me? Colossians 3, 5 says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is... Idolatry. Paul says greed leads to idolatry. What is idolatry? It's an excessive adoration or reverence for any person or thing. It's when it becomes more important than God himself. It's the worship of something created as opposed to worshiping the creator himself. So what happens if greed is not properly dealt with is greed makes a God out of money. If greed is not properly dealt with, it causes us to give more time and attention to stuff than to God. See, greed causes us to put our trust in money instead of God. So 1 Timothy 6, 7 says, teach those who are rich in this world. Remember, we talked about rich doesn't mean you're a millionaire. In, in the world's mentality, Americans are rich. If you got a few dollars in your pocket and you get three square meals a day, you are rich. And he says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their Money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. So see, the problem with money is it can become your God and lead you into idolatry because you begin trusting it more than you trust God. And he says, Paul tells Timothy, tell them not to put their trust in money, which is unreliable. Money is, has wings. It can fly away. But put their trust in God, which is immovable, unshakable, and will always be there for you regardless. Amen? So how do we know if we've allowed money to bring us into idolatry? Well, we can ask ourselves a couple of questions. Do I give more time and attention to God or money? Which occupies more of my heart and mind? God or money? Which is more of a priority to me, the pursuit of God or the pursuit of money? Wow. I mean, I feel like I need to repent. Are y'all hearing this? 
You see, whenever Moses went to get the Ten Commandments, as soon as he left, what did the people do? They started melting their earrings and all that, and they built a golden calf. And they worshiped the calf. And Moses came down from the mountain and said, what are y'all doing? You're going to put your trust in this golden calf instead of the creator of the universe? God help us not to bow down to the golden calf. Amen? Remember, idolatry is the excessive adoration or reverence for any person, thing other than the Lord. So what's the solution to keep from falling into idolatry? The Apostle Paul gives us the answer in the very next verse in 1 Timothy 6. And he says this in verse 18. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they'll be storing up their treasures, a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Again, Paul tells us the solution to staying free from idolatry is the same as staying free from having a greedy spirit. And it's being generous, using our finances to do good works and building the kingdom of God. This is pretty tough, isn't it? It's quiet in here. Y'all agree? This is, this is the scripture. This is the Bible. And so listen, a final connection between money management and spiritual freedom is number three, managing your money properly keeps you free from the spirit of mammon. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, what is mammon? Well, mammon, according to Bible history, is an Aramaic word which means riches. Mammon is a word that signifies all things belonging to wealth, material possessions, and money. Mammon was also a name given to one of the idols worshipped in biblical times as the God of riches. They had this idol out there. They called him Mammon. And they worshipped him. The God of riches. God of Mammon. Would you bless me? God of Mammon. And Jesus says. You cannot serve God and Mammon. And that's why the uh, Mammon was also a name given uh, for riches or money. That's why some translations you'll see, like the NIV, says you cannot serve both God and money. Mammon is a spirit that can rest on money and possessions and riches. Remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and he was offering Jesus these things to try to turn his back on God. And one of the things he said in Matthew 4, uh, 8, uh, he says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all of these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Now, notice he offered him all the kingdoms of the world. Well, I thought God owned everything. Well, God does own everything. But in this world, there's a spirit of the world. There's a spirit on the world. Amen. And it's the spirit of Satan. And he's, he's got commerce and he's got, he's got economic backings and he's, he's promoting his kingdom through pornography and through vices and all this kinds of stuff. 
And he says, I'll give you all that if you'll just fall down and worship me. Satan offered Jesus riches, the kingdoms of riches. Mammon is basically Satan's spirit on the world's commerce and economy. But you know what? Whenever it's in the hands of believers, the spirit of Mammon is not on it. It's the spirit of God on it. Come on, are y'all with me? See, your business has the spirit of God on it if you're a believer. Come on, your, your clinic, your, 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 your service has the spirit of God, not the spirit of man. Why? Because you got your hands on it. Amen? So listen, mammon is basically Satan's spirit on this world's commerce and economy, and it promises what only God can deliver. See, the spirit of mammon says you can be secure. You can have significance. And you can have identity if you just got a lot of it. The spirit of mammon says you can be independent, powerful. You can be free. But you know what? The spirit of mammon promises what it cannot deliver. See, it cannot deliver security. It cannot deliver significance. It cannot deliver independence and power and freedom. Only Jesus Christ can. Amen? And so the spirit of mammon wants to be the God that we serve. That's why we got to talk about financial management because there is a God that's trying to get on the altar of your heart and it's the God of mammon. And we got to make sure it doesn't get there. Amen? And so how do you keep free from and break the spirit of mammon off your life? You want to see, you want to guess? By being generous. Jesus says it like this. Matthew 6, 19, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will be also. So learning to give financially in the kingdom of heaven helps keep your heart right. So again, the answer is by giving. Giving breaks the controlling spirit of mammon off of our life. Now, I believe there's a divine connection between financial management and an open heaven. God, who knows everything, sees everything. And who says, tithe and the windows of heaven will be open. I know, I know. You can make an argument. But the bottom line is, it's either money's got you or God's got you. And Jesus said, your heart is going to follow your giving. And so I believe that for us to stay, to, to keep an open heaven and to stay spiritually free, we got to learn to be generous. Amen. And it's not just gener generosity with our finances. It's generosity with our life. We can't be selfish. We can't be self-centered. Amen. Are y'all with me? And so I also believe that the key to financial management is being a heavenly investor. You know, I know a guy that's got a lot of money and he does a great job at trying to support political candidates. That's great. That's honorable. Helps get better candidates in office. But I believe a more honorable place to invest is in the, tr the heavenly treasure chest. Amen? 
where neither rust nor moth corrupt, where nothing happens to your investment, where you can be sure it's going to have a payday. Amen. In Matthew 6 and 20, Jesus said, Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy. Thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Amen. So our heart follows our investments. So when we become heavenly investors, our hearts become heavenly bent towards God. And isn't that the best thing that can happen to us is our hearts stay right with God. We live for God. We serve for God. We have the hope of eternal life and we have the promise of his spirit filling us. Isn't that the best way to live your life is close to the foot of Jesus Christ. Amen. There's no better life than that. Hands down. Amen. That's the end of the story. Now the Bible tells us there are three ways we can be a heavenly investor. And Brother Francis breaks this down in his book. But number one is in tithing, the tenth or ten percent of your increase. Leviticus 27, 30, one-tenth of the produce of your land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to Him as holy. The tithe helps to support the local church, which allows the community to be reached with the gospel. I'm so glad they had a local church that preached the gospel. I get to go to heaven. Amen. How about you? Aren't you glad you get to go to heaven? Somebody decided to not be greedy and invest some money in the church, which allowed me to be reached and I get to go to heaven. Amen. Isn't that great? So listen, for those of you that have been here for 90 years, and you've been faithful financial donors here at Family Life Church. Thank you. Thank you very much. Because I get to spend eternity because you were willing to tithe and so they could turn the lights on. And so Brother Francis could actually prepare a sermon and preach and I could be saved and discipled and get to know Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. To God be the glory. Amen. And listen, one day when you get to heaven, you're going to have a reward for that. The second way to heavenly invest, to be a heavenly investor is offerings. An offering is anything we give over and above the tithe that it helps advance the kingdom of God. And offerings help spread the gospel and build the kingdom around the world. And so that, that's great. Now, you know, Brother Francis talks about you can't give offerings before you tithe. Tithe is like first base. Amen? And people like to give offerings and not tithe because they like to control. They want to know where, where, what they're going to invest in. But see, when you tithe, it's, your hands are off of it. So well, what, if, what if Todd just, you know, what if that, that boy from Eraf takes my money and don't stand next to me when I get judged? Because they ain't going to be good. How many of you know i got to give an account for my life and the way that I've led this church? Double accounting, amen? That's not a good, that's not a good thought right there. But anyway, it helps me to keep my hands off of it, amen? But you know what? Offerings is the way the gospel is spreading around the world. And you know, Paul commended the Philippian church for the willingness to help him by giving offerings. And I want you to read this with me. Philippians 4, 16 
Paul said, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now think about it. Paul would not have been able to do what he did if it wouldn't have been for the generosity of the Philippian church. Somebody helped Paul spread the gospel. And man, they're going to get rewarded for that, don't you think? They're going to get blessed for that, don't you think? And you know, we often quote, you know, 419, and my God, We'll supply all of my needs. Paul said to the Philippian church, because you're generous, because you're willing to give offerings and spread the gospel, my God will supply all of your needs. Why? Because you're helping him get his job done. And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Amen. So I want to encourage you. If you haven't been a tither. Take a step of faith. Jesus, I mean, uh, Malachi, God said, test me. And if you don't give offerings, tithing is kind of like first grade. But we are really to get beyond that and become so generous in our life that we're willing to go help somebody. And listen, in America, the spirit of greed is strong. Because we live in such an affluent society. But let us not allow the affluence of our society ruin us and keep us from being faithful to our God. Amen? And then the third and final way to be a a heavenly investor is in almsgiving. And almsgiving is any financial gift that helps the poor, widows, orphans, or the needy. Psalm 41.1 says this, God blesses those who are kind to the poor. He helps them out of their troubles. He protects them and keeps them alive. He publicly honors them and destroys the power of their enemies. He nurses them when they are sick and soothes their pains and worries. You know, bottom line is, I believe, what God is saying is that I love those that help those who help the poor. I'm going I'm to do something special for them. Whenever they learn to be generous. Are y'all tracking with me? God is, you can't read the Bible without seeing how God, like, I love a cheerful giver. I bless those who are blessing. I refresh those who refreshes others. I mean, you could go on and on. God's saying, hey man, I take note of those who are willing to faithfully manage their money. Cornelius, he was a great man. And he was praying one day. And God spoke to him. And in Acts chapter 10, in verse 31, God breaks through Cornelius' prayer. And he says to him, Cornelius, 
Your prayer has been heard. And your alms have been remembered before God. It's like God sitting up in heaven with a, with a book, an accounting book. Oh, I saw what they did. Oh, my goodness. How generous. In fact, there's a story in the New Testament that says he was looking at the offering box. And he saw people drop hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars. And this little lady came up there and threw in two pennies. And he got beside himself. And he said, oh, my Lord, this little lady. Oh, my goodness. What did she do? Everybody else gave of their excess. She gave out of her, 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 her poverty. She sacrificed. And it rang in heaven. Jesus tells that story. Friends, the Bible is so full of scripture. It talks more about money than anything. Why? Because the reality is, is we need to hear a lot about it. Because we can waste our stewardship. We can waste what God has given us. And listen, if you got a lot, you're going to be accountable for a lot. Amen. If you got a little, you're going to be accountable for what you got. Amen. Remember, Jesus told this story in Matthew 25. And he said there were three, three guys and the master gave him some money. Some of them he gave five dollars. What was the other one? The other one he gave what? No, one, five, two, and one, one. And he said, all right, I'm going away for a while. Take this money and invest it. And I'm going to be back. And so the one with five said, great. And he went and invested it. He did good. He multiplied his investment. He got five more. The guy with two, he went and invested his. He didn't have five, but bless the Lord, he had two. And he just invested what he had. And he got two more. And the one with one said, oh, my Lord, if that man comes back and I don't have his money, he's going to kill me. I'm going to go hide it. And out of fear, he went and hide it. Hit it in the backyard. And so the master comes back. Hey, guys, what's been going on? Tell me what you did with the money, the gifts, the talents that I gave you. And the one with five said, man, I tell you what I did. I invested it. Look, I got five more. And he said, oh, man. That is awesome. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. The one with two, he said, what did you do? He's like, man, look, I, I mean, I didn't have five, but I did my best with what you gave me. I invested the two, and I got two more. Oh, man, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. He said, now, I know this other guy's just like these two. Hey, God, come over here. Tell me about what's going on. Well, you just gave me one. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to see what you do with one. Well, I was afraid. You being a hard taskmaster, I didn't know what you could do to me. So I hid it. But at least I got you one. And you would think the master would say, well, I understand. I understand. But that's not what he said. He said, I don't understand. He said, you wicked servant. Wow. 
Could we be setting ourselves up now for that day? Do we believe that there's a judgment to come? And I think about. How's it going to be whenever I get there? How is my accounting going to go? God help me to be faithful. With what he's given me. And here's the kicker. He said, take that one. I give it to them other guys over there. They know what to do with it. So. That leads me to think. If I can be found faithful with what God is giving me. Is it possible that he might give me more to be faithful with? Could it be? According to that, that parable, it just might be that way. Amen? Now listen, he don't promise me more. I just got to be faithful with what he gave me. Amen? And if I be faithful with what he gave me, that's all I got to be worried about. But there's a possibility that he might just want to bless me with more. Amen. Y'all receive that this morning. Come on, stand with me and let's close. Let's close in prayer. Let's just present ourselves before the Lord right now and just ask God to help us. Let's just ask God to help us. I think it's a challenge of every person's heart is to be a faithful money manager because of the things that we struggle with inside our heart. And in the society we live in America, but can we just ask God to just help us to be faithful? be faithful with what he's given us to be faithful with our life to be faithful with our time to be faithful with our gifts and our talents and to be faithful with our finances that which equates really to our life our hard arm our hard earned life father god i pray right now lord that god you would you would help us to learn to be generous to be cheerful givers, God. To find ways and find places to not hoard and not be controlled and not fall in love with money, but to be set free, completely free, and to have spiritual freedom and liberty in our life. Lord, I ask you right now, Lord, that you would begin with me and that you would break every form of greed and every form of idolatry and, and Lord, everything, covetousness and, and everything that would try to hold my heart back in keeping me from being the faithful servant that you want me to be. And God, I pray, Lord, don't stop with me, but Lord, Lord, touch every heart that is here today. Lord, we want to be liberated. We want to be set free. And Lord, we want to just have the freedom that you've called us to live in and to be in. And Lord, we want to use our life and we want to invest our life in a way because God, we want to hear you say, we want to be able to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
Lord, help us to live our life in a way that, God, we will be able to hear those words. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your grace that is on us. I thank you for your help that is with us. And I thank you, Lord, for your generosity and your grace, God, that, Lord, you've extended grace to us and generosity to us by sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to shed his blood so that we can have eternal life and be saved. If you're here this morning and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I don't know that I'm even a Christian, but I want to be a Christian. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. When I die, I want to go to heaven. And I'm not sure of that, but I want to make sure of that. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you raise your hand and raise it high and just wave it at me so I can see it because I want to pray for you, okay? I see your hand. Anybody else? Just raise your hand high and I just want to pray for you right now. Thank you, Father God. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, for those that are just surrendering, those that are giving their heart to you. God, I thank you for just gracing them. Let's just pray this prayer today. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood for my sins. Thank you for being generous and paying the debt that I should pay. Lord, I'm grateful. I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to wash my heart. I want to be saved. I want to be a Christian. And I want to live my life for you. God, help me to live that way. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to just come up as soon as we dismiss and let one of the altar workers know that you've done that. Amen. Now listen. One last thing. I want to pray God's favor and blessing over you. Amen. I know we're in a bad economy. Some people are losing their job. But listen, I believe that God can provide for us in the famine. Amen. I believe that God can supernaturally protect us in our jobs. Amen. So let's pray. Those of you that are business owners, why don't you just lift your hands? I want to pray for you. And we can agree with you that every business owner here prospers and succeeds. If somebody's got their hand raised next to you, would you put your hand on them and let's pray for them. Father, Lord, you have always taken care of your people. Lord, there's business owners here. And God, they need your favor. They need your blessing. They need your provision. And God, I pray your favor. I pray your blessing. I pray supernatural grace over them. Lord, I pray that God, you would give them business when there's no business around. That supernaturally, miraculously, you would open up heaven on their behalf. Thank you, God, for just blessing them right now in Jesus' name. Now, all of you that are employed, let me see your hands. All of you that got to buy groceries, let me see your hands. Let's pray. I want to pray favor and blessing over your life. Come on. I believe that God can give you more than you've ever had. Come on. How many of you believe he can trust you? How many of you want him to trust you to give you more? Amen. Come on. Let's pray. Father, I pray. God, we want to be faithful so that we can be, Lord, we can be uh, tested and be found faithful with what you've given us so that we can have more. Lord, I pray for those that are in here. God, I pray, give us the grace to be faithful stewards. Lord, multiply, bless us. Lord, in a bad economy, give us promotions. Give us new jobs, better paying jobs, more, Lord, opportunity. Lord, I pray supernaturally and miraculously, Lord, that you would open up heaven on behalf of this congregation. I pray in the mighty and the strong 
name of Jesus. And everybody that agreed shouted and said, Amen. And amen. Amen. Hey, listen. And just leaving, just to let you know, you know, in, in across the nation, statistics say that 20% of the people give 80% of the income. But I'm telling you, at Family Life, it's not that way. We have a very generous church. And by the way, two Sundays ago when we received the offering to furnish the new building, you gave over $12,000 into that offering. Amen. So thank you for your generosity. Thank you for being your ble- the blessing that you are. Amen. God bless you. You have a wonderful, a wonderful day. Amen.